Let's pray this morning. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 20, verse 1. The title of this morning's message is The Gratefully Employed. The Gratefully Employed. How many oral workers would say, I would like to be gratefully employed? Amen. Uh, let's pray this morning. I believe God's got a word. Father God, we thank you for today. Will we pray over the next few moments, God, that you would just speak. God, anoint me to speak whatever you have for me to speak. And God, uh, Lord, that it's all about you. God, it's all about you. And we pray your spirit would move in the next few moments. God, you would anoint our ears to hear, Lord, what your spirit is saying. And, and Lord, our eyes to see and to understand our hearts to take it in, God. And, and go from this place uh, saturated, full with your word and your spirit, God, to be changed. Uh, hungry for your word, God. And we just thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you for your amazing grace. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Have you ever been unemployed? How many people have ever been unemployed? All of us. Hallelujah. Uh, What is it like then when someone else gets that job you're gunning for? Uh, How do we feel when other people are blessed? That's kind of what we're themed about this morning. Uh, Are we a uh, good for them or a woe is me kind of person? Are, are we a glass half full or a glass half empty kind of person when it comes to God's blessings in other people's lives? Uh, you know, uh, how grateful are we for the grace of God in our own lives today? Uh, God is a just God, but you know, His grace is amazing. It's shocking. It's radical. It's even been called scandalous, His grace. It's so overwhelming, so uncomprehendable uh, that He favors us more than we ever deserve or could ever earn. And those of us who've worked for God for many years uh, know that those who've lived a scandalous life, those who have uh, just recently answered His call and have that uh, track record, that bad reputation, you know, they are equally accepted and favored in God's eyes. That new believer and that seasoned saint, they're equally favored and accepted in God's eyes. His grace is amazing. You can't earn it. It's just freely given. Uh, And we're going to talk about this amazing grace this morning. Uh, But are we grateful for that kind of grace? And when we see the world today and we look at our lives and say, maybe what blessings am I really looking for? What rewards am I really needing in my life? Uh, Do I see the grace of God and that kind of grace? And does it call me to be grateful Or does it call me to grumble? Uh, Sometimes we can be too focused on our rewards from God. Sometimes it's all about getting to that, uh, that, that blessing, that, that thing that we really need. And sometimes we focus a lot on, oh, when, I all, when we all get to heaven, I'll walk, walk the streets of gold and I have my mansion. And that becomes something that we're really focused on and what it's all about. And uh, other times we can be so focused on comparing our works with other people's works. Or what am I doing compared to them? Or, am I a good enough Christian compared to the pastor or to my friend or my grandma? Or how... Where am I at in my walk, and what do other people think about me? Am I, am I good enough as a Christian? Or maybe I, I, we take it the other way, and I know I'm better than them, right? We can think that way sometimes. But are we happy just to be called and chosen by God's amazing grace? Are you happy just to be called and chosen, just to be satisfied by His grace? So this morning we're going to talk about this. Are we focused on what we're getting from God? Are we focused on what we're doing for God? Are we focused on just being in God? Is it all about what we're getting, about what we're doing, or about who we're becoming, who we are being in God? And so we're going to change our focus this morning from getting and doing to just 
being. So you got your Bibles, how many are at Matthew chapter 20, verse 1? Somebody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. Uh, kind of give you some context on this. Is Christ, we, last Sunday we talked about the rich young ruler and that one thing that he was lacking. And, and this follows that passage. And the setting is there's this rich young ruler who comes to Christ uh, and bows down in front of him in the street uh, and asks, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus tells him, if you, uh, you're lacking this one thing, you've done everything you think you're supposed to, but really there's things in your heart that aren't right, and if you would just give up this one thing, that is to sell your possessions and give to the poor, uh, come follow me, you'll have great treasure, great reward in heaven. But this guy, he couldn't, there was a heart issue going on, and he really couldn't handle trusting God in faith that much. He, he, he was obedient, but he couldn't trust God in faith that much. And so he walks away sad. And Jesus uh, standing there, and Peter standing there, and he's like, well, well, God, if, if this guy, you said he'd get great rewards in heaven, uh, we've forsaken everything, our families, my in-laws, uh, my, my job. Uh, what will we get if he would get great treasure in heaven for giving up his thing? Uh, but what will we get? We've forsaken, we've followed you for three years. Uh, what are we going to get? And so Christ then gives this parable. Are you ready? Matthew 20. And he says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them to his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour, and he saw some others standing idle. Everybody say idle. Idle, idle in the marketplace. And to those he said, You also go into the vineyard. Whatever is right, I'll give you. And so he went. And he went out about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. And about the eleventh hour, then he went out and found others standing around. And he said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day long? And they said to him, Because no one would hire us. And he said to them, Go, you go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers, pay them their wages, beginning with the last group to the first. And so when those that were hired about the eleventh hour came, each one received a denarius. And then when those that were hired first came, they thought they would have received more. But each of them also received a denarius. And when they received it, they grumbled at the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only but one hour, and you've made them equal to those of us who borne the burden in the scorching heat of the day. But he answered to each one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go. But I wish to give this last man the same as you. Is it not lawful for me to do with what I wish with what is my own? Or is your eye envious because I am generous? So the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. Uh, in Jesus' day, a little background of this, in Jesus' day, Rome had taken over and put high taxes and high levies. Uh, and because of the Roman system, uh, it was pushing a lot of Jewish uh, immigrant workers, or sorry, farmers and laborers out of their fields. Uh, they were going into debt, and so a lot of these men became unemployed. The economy was really bad. Uh, we don't have a clue what that's like, right? Uh, the economy was bad, and people were losing their jobs. That's kind of what it comes down to. And people began to lose their jobs, and they would go to the unemployment office, the marketplace, uh, and begin waiting around all day for someone to come by and hire them for migrant work. 
uh, just uh, no contract work, just uh, waiting for that truck to drive by and to jump on it and to say, yeah, let's go, you know, uh, go back to the fields. And so that's where these men are. These large group of unemployed men are gathering each morning, hoping to be hired. And Jesus gives this story about this vineyard owner who had this large harvest, this large grape harvest in his vineyard. And it's getting to that time where the harvest is so large uh, and the time is so very short. And if he doesn't pick them all, like today, they're going to spoil tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow's the Sabbath day, and we can't work on that day, but I've got to get this harvest in today. I'm so, he's so urgent. He's passionate uh, to get this harvest in. And so he goes, and at the very beginning of the morning, he finds some contract labor, some uh, normal workers, some union workers, if you will. And they agree that I'm going to give you one denarius. A denarius was the uh, average wage of a day's worth of work, okay? Uh, and it actually was a little bit better than a day's wage. It was a fair, good market value for one day's worth of work. And so these union workers, these contract workers said, hey, we'll work your vineyard for you for one day's wage. And he says, okay, good. But man, it wasn't enough. He was so passionate to get this crop in before the last day, that last time of reaping. Uh, and so he begins to drive around looking for people to hire. And so they're working in the field, got the contract in. He goes, and, and uh, it says, uh, at some at 9 a.m., the third hour, he goes at 9 a.m., he finds some unemployed guys. Hey, get in the truck, let's go. Uh, I'm going to hire you out. Goes back around at noon, at 12 o'clock, the sixth hour. Hey, hey. We've got still a lot of work to do. Let's go. I'll hire you. Goes to 3 p.m. Now, they work from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. At 3 p.m., he goes, the ninth hour. And finally, it's at 5 o'clock, the 11th hour. There's only one more hour left in daylight. He says, what are you doing still standing here? I've been hiring people all day long. He's like, uh, we've been looking for work. We didn't, nobody's hired us yet. He's like, get in the truck. Let's go. I'm going to hire you. And for an hour, they work. At the end of the day, when all of the guys come to collect their paycheck at 6 o'clock, they all get the same pay rate, one day's full wage. Now, how many of you today, let's just be honest, your boss hires somebody at 4.30 or 4 o'clock, and you're about to get quitting time, and it's payday on Friday, and he gives you, or he gives you your pay for that day, and you get up there, and you see your coworker's paycheck, and you're like, what in the world? He just got here. I ain't none of us that holy. I know it, right? <laughs> Pay them the same day's wage. You know, God's kingdom is so different than this world. So different. His, his ways are not our ways. It's an amazing, weird thing. And we're going to dig into this this morning because I don't know about you, but I don't think I'd really go for this. I'm working 12 hours in the heat and a desert kind of climate, sweating and putting my back into it. And I agreed for, you know, $15 an hour. And, it, and this guy, he, he pays them the same rate that I've worked all day long. They've only worked one hour. Uh, but let's look at these unemployed guys for a minute. Let's look at these unemployed guys. Uh, we know our economy is bad. There's many people in our church today that are unemployed, so you're going to resonate with this hopefully a little bit because there's a spiritual lesson here about what God wants to do in our lives. Uh, but what does it really feel like to be unemployed? I remember when uh, Beth and I were about to get, we were engaged, and I was in college, and I'd graduated. I was about to graduate, and she had another year left in her degree program. And for six months, I was looking for a job. I'm like, God, 
uh, I've got to have a job. I'm about to get married, support my wife. I've got a, uh, we just bought a, or we're going to buy a brand new car uh, for her uh, to travel, to go do her clinicals and stuff like that. And I've got to have a job. And nobody would hire me. I put in resumes and resumes. I was getting stressed because, God, we've got to go get it. We're buying in this apartment or renting this apartment. We're going to be on our own. And you get this panic feeling when that money comes down and running out like, God, I know you got this, but... You know, I got this, 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 and this, right? Uh, the deadline's coming, and these men were unemployed. And if you think about it, it's very similar to what it means to be poor in spirit. Uh, and the key here is these guys were not lazy. They were on, down on their luck. They, they weren't lazy. They were eager to work, but nobody would hire them. No doubt, man, they were stressed. They were probably overwhelmed. Their future was uncertain. They didn't have the unemployment like we have. They didn't have the retirement and the savings like we have today. Uh, So they're holding out at the very last. I mean, can you imagine? It's 5 o'clock. Who in the world is going to hire you? Most of us, by noon, if nobody hired us, would give up and go home and try to get in the next day. But these guys were desperate. Desperate. The family, uh, back in the ancient days, they got paid every day. So you didn't get paid at the end of the week and have a lot to kind of go on. Your payday came every evening. And so they hadn't had any money the, next, the last several days. There's nothing to go on. And so it's still 5 o'clock, and they're holding out hope for their families to eat. They're, they're there. It's gonna, I'm staying here until 6 o'clock, and they don't have a care. They, they know that if they go get hired, they're only going to be working an hour. They're only going to get paid for an hour. Nobody in their right mind would pay them for the full day. And so they're holding out hope. They're stressed. They're overwhelmed. But they're staying there to the very last hour. And no doubt, even if they worked that hour, they would not have enough money to feed their family that day. You know, when you're truly unemployed and desperate, you'll take anything. If you can get no food in your house, no money in the bank, you will do whatever it takes to feed your family. And that's the desperation these guys have. And Christ is speaking to us today about our desperation. How empty is this world to us? How impoverished is this world to us spiritually that it doesn't satisfy? There's no employment here for us. There's nothing that benefits us in this world. That I am truly, I have nothing if I don't have Jesus. I am so poor if I don't have Jesus that I, that I am lacking and I am willing to wait until that very last hour to find something that truly satisfies, that truly feeds me and my family. And that's where these guys were. They're desperate. They're poor in spirit. And the Bible says in the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit. They're the ones that are going to inherit the kingdom. They're the ones that are truly going to be those in the family of God. And these guys were called at the last hour. I th- that is amazing to me. They graciously, this vineyard owner, he comes, he, he calls him, he honks the horn. Uh, and can you imagine, they're thinking, who in the world would hire us at 5 p.m.? Who in the world would, would do that? Oh, well, get in the truck, let's go. Don't wait, don't ask questions, just get in the truck. He's, he said yes, nobody said yes. And they have no contract. They have no guarantee of what their pay would be, but they take it just for an hour because they're passionate to work. How many of us are desperate for the grace of God? How many of us are willing servants, that we are excited, engaged, and our hope is secured because Christ has called us. You know, this says that they were idle before and they were employed. You know, there is no idleness in the church of God. There is no, no saint uh, when you are called to be an idle worker, an uh, unemployed worker. If we are called, we are employed into the service of our King. And so I believe every single Christian 
Every single believer, from young to old, is called to do something in the family of God. And I believe every single believer should be in their own, has their own ministry. That is one, to, to talk to their coworkers, your families, your friends about the Lord, but also to be a part of your local church, your local body, to support world missions and, and do whatever God has enabled you to do in the, the gifts and the talents He's given to you. And you alone will answer to God for your idleness. Because every person in this passage who realizes... I am not enough on my own. I need the grace of God. And they become employed. They're no longer idle any longer. That's a tangent. That's free. But I'm going to go on. Because these guys are unemployed, and now they're employed. Who do you think worked better? Come on now. Think about it. The guys who are the union guys and working all day long, and it's 5 o'clock. You've been working in the hot and the heat for all day long. It's 5 o'clock. You've been 11 hours on shift. Those of you who are nurses know what a 12-hour rotation is, right? 11th hour. How awake are you really, right? You know, especially those of you who work nights. And then these new guys who haven't worked all day long come on at 5 o'clock. Who's working better? They are eager. They're passionate. And then they weren't contracted. They got something to work for. They got something to serve for. And so these guys come on passionate, eager, excited, willing, engaged. Their hope is secured. Now I've got some ounce of hope in my life. And then payday comes. Guess what? He pays them all the same. 12 hours, 9 hours, 6 hours, 3 hours, 1 hour, receive the full day's wage. And who do you think is gracious in gratitude, right? There's gratitude. Man, these guys come, they get their paycheck, they're like, oh my gosh, we got the same pay as those who are here all day. And then the guys come, and they, these guys come over here with gratitude, and these guys come over here with attitude, right? Uh-huh. And they come, and they say, man, think about these contract laborers working 12 hours, who, though, appreciated their job more? Who do you think was most grateful for the reward? It was those who needed the most grace. Those who needed the most grace. You know, the Bible, Jesus talks about who do you think is going to really love me more, those who have sinned little or those who have sinned a lot, right? It's those who have sinned a lot. They needed an extra ounce. Their debt was this high. This debt was this high. And so God leveled the playing field. He said, I'm going to give you the amount of grace you need to come on in. And so some of us need 99% grace, and some of us need 110, and some of us need 1,000%. And he's just leveling it off, and he says, I'm filling it up. And so those who needed the most grace, but what was the difference here? They were not focused on what they were getting. They had no idea what they would get. It wasn't about what they would get. I just need something to provide me, something to satisfy me. It wasn't about a reward. They didn't expect 12 hours worth of pay. You know, when we come to God, we shouldn't be expecting a whole lot. Just saving me is enough, right? I don't need God to this prosperity gospel. God, I don't need the Lamborghini or the nice house or this great job. God, I am just so grateful to be unemployed by you. I'm just so grateful to be called by you. It's not about what I'm getting I'm just so grateful you called me. So that's that character. And it wasn't about what others were doing. They knew they weren't enough. The guys have been there 11 hours, and they come on the field, and they're like, well, I don't know how much I can do, but I'm going to do what I got inside of me to do. And so they worked with energy that one hour, but they knew. They're not comparing their work to a person who had been there 11 hours. They knew they weren't doing as much as other people. You know what? I may not do what Moses did. I may not do what the Apostle Paul did. And, and you and I may not do the same things for God, but I'm going to do whatever I can do for the glory of God. And I'm not worried about what you're doing, and you don't be worried about what I'm doing. 
We just say, God, I'm grateful to be employed. God, I'm grateful to have my, my name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. God, I'm so grateful just to be employed and called and chosen by you. It's not about all that other stuff. It's not about what she's doing or he's doing. It's not about what I'm getting, but it's about who I am becoming in Jesus Christ. Not about what I'm being or becoming, or sorry, doing, not what I'm getting, but about what I'm being. I just answered the call of God, and I'm not idle any longer. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9 says, God has saved us and called us with a holy calling. How many people are called by God? Not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was granted in us from Christ Jesus from all eternity. Who are we in this story today? Who are you and I in this story today? Are we those like these contract laborers? Think about it. They made an agreement with God at the very beginning of the day. They made an agreement, and they tried to earn their reward. And think about it this way. Uh, it could really be something like this, like we tell God subconsciously sometimes, hey, I, you know, I've grown up in church my whole life, so I know exactly all about this because I was one of these people. Say, God, I'll work for you, answer your call on these conditions. God, if I, if I, if I do this, if I get saved... Or, God, if I am volunteer, you've got to do this in my life, right? Or how many have done this on the deer stand? God, if you just bring me a deer, I'll go to church tomorrow, <laughs> right? I did that before, I confess, right? Or, God, if you'll just do this, then I'll do that. God ain't about contracts, because you know why? I don't ever keep my word. He always keeps his. God, I, I, God, I will go to church. God, I will be, I'll be a good guy or a good girl. Yeah, I'll pay my tithes when I can. Um, uh, yeah, if they ask me to, you know, volunteer to do that, I may do that, but I ain't going to do that, right? I'm not going to be all up in that. Or, God, don't ask me to go do that. Or, God, I, I, I'll do this much, but God, don't let me do that much. Because I'm here. Isn't that enough, God? Isn't that enough, God? I'm here. You should be happy I'm here, God. I wasn't, I'm not where I was, but I am here now. How many, come on now. We, we, this is the contract view. That's not biblical. We say, God, I am just so grateful. I am just so amazed. I will do whatever. God, I'm willing. I knew how poor I was without you. God, I accept your call. And Lord, I know I don't have much to give, but whatever I give, I give all in. What I, don't, I may not can do what he or she can do, God, but this one hour I will work, this one thing I can do, God, I will give it everything. And I don't care what you pay me. And I don't care what they're doing or what they're doing. I'm just going to go all in. I'm going to be everything, God, because I'm so amazed by your grace that you called me. Who are we in that parable? Because I tell you in my life, even as a pastor, I want to continue to try to be that one person who's just amazed by God's grace. You know, I could, we can, I can, as a pastors, compare themselves to other pastors all the time. Or how fruitful this church is doing, or, that, or my, their church is growing bigger than our church, or this has happened, they're doing that program, and we only have this program. You know, it doesn't, you can be uh, the janitor or the pastor. We all do suffer with that. God, uh, I don't know what they're doing or that doing. God, or, or God, if you'll just please help me and give me this, then I will do better. We all work out these contracts with God, but can we just be a people who realize, God, I was poor in spirit. God, I was uh, unemployed. I had little chance of providing for myself. And God, and I stressed and overwhelmed. But God, I'm not lazy. God, I'm eager. I'm eager to work for you. God, I'm eager to be employed by you because of your amazing grace. You know, the point of this parable is not about working for reward or salvation. 
Because, you know, in this parable, not everybody received, not everybody worked the same, uh, but they all received the same reward. You know, in Titus chapter 3, verse 5, it says that God has saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy. You can't earn favor with God. You can't earn God's likeness or, or His love. You can't do enough for God and, and make Him love you more. These guys, they worked at all different hours, all different times, and He loved them the same. But some of us are going to get this extra grace, you know, because we need that to get to that place in our life. But look at this. The point of the parable is also not that we will all receive the same reward in heaven. It's not about uh, that we're all going to be equal. Because 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8 says that every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. So Jesus here, what is this payday that we're talking about? It's not salvation, because to be called is to be saved. Okay, uh, that we, we're all called, we're all, we all answer the call, we all become saved. So the reward is not salvation, and the reward is not our things that we're going to give back to God in heaven, the, 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 the rewards that He'll give us. It's not about that. What it means in Jesus' parable is that we are all at equal standing before God. Because we all know that as we work for God, we, we get our treasure up in heaven at the end of the last days, we'll give our crowns back to Him and say, God, here's what I've worked for you. God, here's the people I've brought into heaven with me. God, here's the things that I've done for you, the ministry that I've built up that's been purified by fire. But what He means here is that God is so eager to bring in a harvest of souls, and His grace is so amazing that He will give however much grace is needed to whomever will come into the kingdom of God, and every person who answers His call will have equal standing before Him. Equal standing before Him. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2, 10, that we were once not a people, but now we are the people of God. We had not received mercy, but now we have received mercy. Think about these men. God was so gracious to these men who had not worked all day and only had one hour left. He saw their misfortune. He saw their lack. And he saw their need, and he answered it. Uh, he was being just and fair on their behalf. He knew that the devil had robbed them. And you know, for many of us, the devil has robbed us or people in our family of many things. And God will give them whatever grace is needed to get them into the kingdom of God. He will give us whatever grace is needed to get us to a place of equal standing in his, as His children. And so it's not about rewards, it's not about salvations, but it's saying God will accept you. His grace is enough. It's sufficient to supply all of your debt, all of your needs, all of your lacking. That God's grace is so amazing. I don't care who you are, where you've been, or what you've done. God can give you enough grace to welcome you into His family. That's just amazing. You know, it's the same thing. You think about it like this. It's like the, the youth who's entered the call at 15 and, and lived for his life and went into ministry at 18, became a great pastor, and there's Billy Graham on one side. And that drug addict who's got that bad reputation, who's written those heart checks, who stole from his grandma, who uh, you know, divorced four times and, and cheated and lied and cussed and has been in jail, and he gets saved at that altar. Him and Billy Graham, equal standing before God. That's scandalous. That's not just in this world, right? You say, God, I've been with you for these many years, and this guy's equal with me? Think about it. Who, we can covet grace sometimes. We can covet grace sometimes. These guys, these un, uh, contract laborers, they coveted. And some part of this parable is about coveting because sometimes we can get frustrated with the grace of God. Not with me, but what's happening in other people's lives. But he says, hey, whatever was right, I gave to you. Matthew 20, 15, is, is it not lawful for me? 
to do what I wish with my own money? Or is your eye envious because I'm generous? You know, this prideful religiosity can get aroused in us when we think about the grace of God because we can easily become like these contract workers, like these Pharisees, who might say things like this, or who are they to really to be in our church? You know, there are people that say that. Who are they to really be in our church? They don't really belong in this church. They don't really look like they, they got it all together. Or who are they to hold that position? Are they good enough to be an usher or a greeter or a worship team member or a kids worker? Are they, don't they have a track record? Don't you know they were on drugs or they wrote hot checks or they've been divorced X amount of times? Don't you know that who they are, who they were? You sure we get them? They sure they're ready for that yet? And yes, there's things that we do in the God's house to vet elders and deacons and pastors. There's things that you must do before you can have those positions. But at the same time, we can look at people and say, what have they done? They've not proved themselves enough yet. Have you heard about their past? And we're coveting God's grace. That prideful religious spirit comes up on us and we say, God, you sure we're equal? Right? God, are you sure they're equal? Because they got a lot of work to do. And Lord, they just messed up again and again and again and again. You know? Coveting grace. Think about that thing. Jesus is, is talking to his disciples about this and he's saying, hey, I want to let you know something. The Gentiles I'm about to bring in and the Jews who've had the word for so many thousands of years, they're going to be equal before me in a moment. When I die on that cross, they're going to be equal before me. And there's an injustice of grace sometimes. We could examine ourselves today by the law. Uh, If you just look at the law, grace appears to be unjust. When I only see the law, I don't see God's grace. If I only see rules and regulations and levels, I never see the grace of God. If I only see Christianity as this, this hierarchy of people, I never see the grace of God because it's all about the law to me. But look with me and uh, you can keep in your Bible to Romans 9 uh, verse 14. Romans chapter 9, verse 14. I just want to read something that Paul wrote to these Jews. And he says this in the New Living Translation. When people think about this injustice, this coveting of grace, he says to them, Are you going to say that God is unfair? Of course not. For God said to Moses, I'll show mercy to anyone I choose, and I'll show compassion to anyone I choose. So it is God who decides to show mercy, and we can neither neither choose it nor work for it. In verse 21, he says, When a potter makes jars out of clay, doesn't he have the right to use the same lump of clay to make one jar for decoration and another to throw garbage into? And in the same way, even though God has the right to show anger in His power, He is very patient with those on whom His anger falls and who are destined for destruction. He does this to make the riches of His glory shine even brighter on those whom He shows mercy, who were prepared in advance for His glory. God saves and uses even the worst of us. We have a good God. We have a really, really good God. And he, 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 it's all for His glory. He hires these guys at 5 p.m. and pays them the same day rate. Why? For His glory. He's going he's gonna to save that drug addict. He's going to save that dealer. He's going to save that adulterer. He's going to save that prostitute. He's going to save that scoundrel. Or He's going to save that good old boy. And it's all going to be for His glory. It's all going to be to show the amount of grace that He can give to us, how wonderful and rich He is, and that God desires to use you even if you don't have anything to give. Even if you don't have anything to offer Him, He can use you. 
He wants to bless you. And I don't know where you are today, and you might be saying that, God, I don't have anything. God, I'm not anything. I don't, I don't have any gifts or talents. God desires to use you if you just go all in, just giving Him everything, that one hour you work. But for the, uh, those of us who've been in church for a while, I'm challenged us with this heart issue. In Mark chapter 7, he says that that evil thought like coveting and envy and pride Those things, even if we have been in Him for a while, those things come out of our heart. And those are the things that really defile us and make us unholy and unqualified. And so we could be the people who've been with God for many years, those people who've been there for 11 hours working for God. And at the end of the day, we come up there and it's that, God, there's, there's things in me that probably shouldn't be there. There's some religiosity, some tradition, some spirit uh, that's inside of me that's really, I don't want to be equal with other people that aren't like me. God, I don't want to sit next to those people, and I don't really want those homosexuals in our church. I don't really want those liberals in our church. God, I don't really want people that don't look like me, that have the earrings, the tattoos, and all those things. God, Because, God, they got a lot of work to do. If they would get their life right, then yeah. Then I'll eat with them. Then I'll fellowship with them. That's the Pharisee. That's the Pharisee. Come who are all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's the theme verse of our church. Come as you are. God will accept you. God will give you grace. And so today we look in the first shall be last, he says. Contract workers put themselves, who put themselves first, they're going to be last to receive their reward. Those who are first in their own eyes will be last in God's eyes. And if it's not about what we can do or what we can gain, but it's about His undeserved grace. And I want to be a person who says, God, I realize my poverty. God, I'm going to be a servant of You. And I'm not going to be overconfident in my position. I'm not going to try to earn my favor. God, I'm going to just do what You said in Luke 17. I'm just an unprofitable servant doing what was my duty to do. I'm a, geez, that's words in red. He says we should all call ourselves, in Luke 17, verse 20, or 10, he says we should just say to him, God, I'm an unprofitable servant, doing what is my duty to do. I'm just thankful to be saved. I'm just thankful to be saved. Not about what I'm getting. It's not about what you are doing versus what I'm doing. It's just about being in Christ. Just about being in Him. And all the things this world would look to to help us to focus on how good we are, how high we are, how close to God we are. Let it all pass away. I'm just glad to be in Him. Just glad to be saved. So do we have attitude or gratitude today? Are we working for God with attitude or gratitude? You know, we can pursue the law and still not arrive at that righteousness. But if we pursue Him by faith, will have that righteousness. You know, I like when one author says this. He says, One hour service in the spirit of humble trust in God will be as abundantly rewarded as 12 hours of legal service where we're seeking it as a matter of debt. I'm, I'm not seeking God to what I'm getting or what God's doing for me. I'm just humbly trusting Him, knowing He will reward me greater than I can even imagine. Amen? Worship team, would you come? Are we willing vessels? Willing vessels. Do we have that right attitude of service? Are we demanding God's goodness? Or are we serving Him just because we delight to do it? I just love to serve God. I'm not idle anymore. I don't want to just be standing around doing nothing because to be saved is to be employed. 
And I trust that He's gracious and will give me more than I ever deserve. We're not demanding blessings from God today. Yes, He says, ask and you shall receive. But it's in the context of growing His kingdom. It's not about what I'm getting. When I ask, I shall receive things that He's going to give Him glory. It's not about what I'm doing or what I need. He says, ask about my kingdom. Try to grow my kingdom and I'll give you everything you need to do those things. I'll provide all your needs. Just trust me. Just trust me. Every head bowed today, every eye closed.